This week on the Boag World Web Show, we're joined by Joe Leach to discuss writing the perfect proposal. Season 12 of the Boag World Show is sponsored by Lynda.com, Template Monster, and the gradual decline of my social skills. Designing, developing, and running websites on a daily basis. My name is Paul. Joining me, as always, is Granddaddy Marcus. Hello, hello. Granddaddy Marcus. Hello, hello, hello. That's how I'm going to refer to you from now on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm good with that. And um, joining us, Marcus, is Joe Leach. Have you, have you met Joe before? I hate these situations. I don't think so. I, do, I think we might have done actually. Oh, no. I think we possibly have. See, I've got I've got a memory for faces. I used to be a teacher, so I trained my brain early on to remember names and faces very well. And I think we did. I think we met a, a future of web design a few years ago. See, there oh, well, you go, Marcus. My hugest apologies. I'm crap oh, at putting names worry, to faces. Don't worry. <laughs> well, you see, Marcus is used to being surrounded by adoring fans, and and so and grandchildren. Know, one, one it's face hard. blurs into another. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure you're far more interesting than me, Joe. That's <laughs> very kind of you. Sucking up for forgetting who, yeah, forgetting who you met before. Yeah, I can't wait for this show. It's the one I've been looking forward to the whole series. Oh, here we go. Why, because Joe's on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, I've got a, I've got a horrible confession to make, right? Because oh, we've met we each other loads and loads of times, mm-hmm. right? And we've chatted and we've had lovely times together and all the rest of it. I still don't really know what you do. <laughs> oh, I know, I, well, I know the kind of work you do, obviously, because I've heard your talks and that kind of stuff. But do, you work for yourself, do you? I do now. So I am a user experience consultant of 12 years. Um, and for the last four months, I've been working for myself. So, oh, yeah. only the last four months? Yeah, that's right. So I worked previously for a, a UX consultancy in Bristol called CX Partners and... Yeah, I've been independent for about four months now. Wow, so we, we've got kind of very similar career paths. Yeah, it was almost about the same time that I saw your announcement. I made mine about, I think, about three or four weeks after you did. Wow. I just, I just want to be like you, Paul. That's Copycat. it. I that, want to be like you. I have that a lot. It's, you know, it, <laughs> it, 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 the number of people you walk around and you see with shaved heads. And I know every single one of them <laughs> just wants to be like me. Yeah, that's that, absolutely it. Moby, all those people, Moby just wants to be like Boag. I've, exactly. I've, I've heard that. Yeah, and, and all those people with little designer glasses with no frames want to be like me. There it is. It's true. Michael Stipe just wants to be like Mr. Boag. Exactly. I absolutely. Have put, I have to say, Joe, that I do like your job title. <laughs> oh, Strategic Commander of UX. Yes, yes. that's rather good. Isn't it? Well, my, my, my nephew actually said that as well because i was sort of talking he said to me because he, he asked me the same question he's like what so he's like he's 10 he's like what do you do and i sort of tried to explain it i'm like well i do you know this thing called user experience which is sort of making the you know websites easier to use and more user friendly and i said i also kind of help companies make you know make decisions you know sort of plan the future of what they want to do online and digitally you know sort of the strategy stuff and he sort of went so you're like a bit like a commander, like in the in the in the navy, and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh right. He said you should have that in your job title. So yeah, he helped me come up with the idea of strategic commander of UX, which is of course a joke. Um, but I do, you no, know, I, I, it's I listed on my LinkedIn and things like that. But yes, it, I I'm a strategic commander. That's One, awesome. One. We need, well, I mean, if other people can call themselves ninjas and rock stars, why not strategic commander? Well, why not? It's the only reason. I, basically, it's the only reason I went freelance is so I could choose my own job title. And you know, why not go for something that's grand? So, how's it going? <laughs> how's the freelance work a life suiting you? Really good, actually. I'm really enjoying it. Um, um, you know, I kind of the thing you you find when you work for an organisation is you've kind of. Lots of stuff, you know, you get loads of emails. And the, the most interesting thing I found is all my, all my time I used to spend emailing, I now spend doing my accounts and doing my expenses <laughs> and all of that stuff. So to be honest, not very different. <laughs> I just got all my admins shifted from one, one world of, 
you know, emails from HR to being, you know, emails to my accountant about VAT. So, but, yeah, but other than that, I'm really enjoying it. You know, I'm really enjoying the, the ability to have a bit more control over the jobs that I take and who I mm-hmm. work for and to, you know, kind of offset the, the bigger, larger, more ex- well-paying clients with the more exciting startups and charities and stuff like that as well. So I'm kind of enjoying, you know, the mixture of, of, of all the stuff that I can work on. And, and best of all, you get to keep all the money. Well, except yeah, for that, that you the have to give, man. yeah, I'm yeah. the tax man, yeah. the tax man, and the VAT and the accountant and all that stuff. But yes, you do get to keep some of the money. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm money orientated. No, <laughs> that sounds really good. So, dear listener, if you have a UX project that um, you need help with, you now have a choice. That's it. If Paul's not available. I'm always around. Well, I was going to suggest. I was about to say the complete opposite oh, of that. Oh, there we go. So, so that's nice that they've got a choice between two UX people because before that there was there were none. No, no. I don't know how us. people got UX done before. <sighs> no they idea. One, they paid one of those expensive agencies to do it. I yeah, think. I, I think agencies are dead. Really, don't you agree, Marcus? <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, you, I, I was just letting the love in carry on. Oh. You're just jealous. <laughs> what, that I can't keep all the money? No, no, I think you're just jealous that you don't get to deal with, with all the tax and VAT and accountancy stuff, because Chris does it all for you. This is and very true. I'm, I don't envy you that at all. I do, actually- like the, I do like what I would like. If, I was just, if it was just me, but if it was just me, I'd go out of business. But if, for a while, it would be good, um, where I could just do what I liked. That's how I envisage your life, Paul. You just sort of swan around. Is that well, right? uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's yeah, the that way I like up to freelance think of it. life, really. I can, yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you get paid for swanning around, wow, you know, then you're in a great place. Yeah, I basically, I, I, I write a bit, and you know, I, 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 you know, speak at the occasional conference if it's somewhere I want to go to, um, and I take clients if you know if they're interesting, but only if they kind of you know don't ask me to do very much. That that is my life, Marcus. Well, interesting. I noticed this morning that you announced on Twitter that you do loads of coke these days as well. Yeah, I do. This is my this is my new thing. Well, I figure you know you've, I've got all of this money now. That, and you, you, know, you are a rock star ninja, I, and I'm a rock star ninja strategic commander. So uh, you know, therefore, there's only one strategic commander. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm, that. Sorry. I'm going to have to say that's mine. Okay, you can you can keep that. I'll just be the cocaine driven UX consultant. There we go. That's going to be my new job title. Now, I obviously meant Coca-Cola. Obviously. Although, with, the, with all the references to, to eating, what was it, um, Jaffa cakes as well, that's, that has drug connotations in my mind as well. Does it? Apparently oh, the munchies. so. the Oh, right. Different yeah, sort of drugs. Yeah, different drugs. But it leads, so, so between the cocaine and the weed, I'm surprised I've got any time to get any work done. Well, you just said you don't do any. You just oh, yeah. swan around. But, uh, but obviously, because I'm so drag-addled, I've forgotten <laughs> I said that. But that did cause much hilarity in the Headscape um, camp this morning. I know. I, I went into Slack because I heard my name mentioned. That's the only time I go into the Headscape Slack channel now. <laughs> it's normally it's, quite a laugh, but often it's just quiet for days, and then we'll, then we'll spend a whole afternoon just ranting or gossiping. <laughs> Well, that's it, and that's what's nice about Slack. I know. I really ought to be in there more, really. Yeah. Do you use Slack? You've got no one to Slack with anymore, Joe. Oh, well, I do. I, I've got a few channels. So there's a good one, actually, which is um, there's a UX um, there's a UX channel on Slack, which is kind of a nice global one. Oh, it's got right. lots, lo- lots of local um, local chapters of that. So the local UX within the user experience. What's the? I'm just looking at the address now. It's user experience design. Um, Slack organization. There's loads of great stuff going on in that. So I, I use that. And then I, I also use it with loads of my clients as well. So I've got, what, at least five Slack groups that I'm members of because of that, really. So yeah, oh, I do nice. use it. I love it. You're the so, second person on this podcast that's used the word Slack and client in the same sentence. I, it just uh, yeah, that terrifies you. Yeah. Absolutely. That is, uh, it, it's like this sealed box that only headscapers are allowed into. Uh, <laughs> because of the things you say in it. Yeah, we, we, we share, you know, we have, we, obviously we share um, workspaces in Basecamp and that kind of thing with clients, but uh, not Slack. Slack is for slacking. I tend, well, we have worth saying that we do have project channels as well, but they're normally for, well, I've got this issue, moan, 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 and someone, someone helps them fix it. And yeah. 
There we go. Well, I mean, one of the good things, one of the things that I remember clients talking about enjoying working with agencies is agencies are a lot more fun than their day job. So, you know, I think opening up to, to Slack, maybe that's something you could put in your proposals that will allow you to come into Slack. You can have a bit of fun with this in that as alongside working with us. So I think, you know, working with an agency or a freelancer shouldn't just be about doing work. It should also be a bit of the fun that is involved with working in agency. And why not open up Slack to your clients? Because, what got, because they're what very... What have you got to hide? What have you got to hide? They're come very on. rude about their clients. <laughs> that's exactly. the truth. Of course, that's clearly not happening. So it's like, come on, why not? They'd love it. It's, hey, I'll it's tell more you being. It's I would sorry, just got to finish that off. It's more a case of being funny at the expense of the, what the client does. So it's it's not just moan, moan, moan. That, that's not true. There's very little of that. It's more a case of um, yeah, trying trying to be funny at the expense of whatever of anybody the basically. Yeah, in I don't my think. Experience. Yeah, well, I, ha- I hope none of your clients are listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm not giving any details here. None at all. I'm very careful about what I say on this podcast. Obviously, if you are a Headscape client, this is not you we're referring to. Of course It's not. another Headscape of client. Of course not. Hey, talking about... Talking about um, fun with clients, we've actually, we actually had that asked of us, didn't we? Were you in that, um, that pitch? It's ringing Marcus, a bell. It's ringing a bell. With um, RAF Benevolent Fund. So he went in to pitch to, to, for RAF Benevolent Fund. Mm-hmm. And one Was of the thing, things that um, the, the big boss asked us in the pitch... Yes, that's was, true, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. He asked us in the pitch, he said, look, you know, the, my guys are going to spend a lot of time with work, working on this project. It's an important project. It's going to take up a lot of their time. What are you going to do to make it fun? Best question I have ever been asked. I kind of try and do that. Well, I know we're talking about pitches on the next show, but I kind of try and say that in most pitches that, you know, we want to enjoy what we're doing. We hope that that rubs off on you and we're all enjoying what we're doing. Yeah. Um, yes, I do remember that. It's just you confused me there because we've since pitched for another project with RFBF and all the people have changed. Oh, OK. No, I'm talking about the original. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When, when I was still with you. Well, so actually, did you, you were win, still did with you, us when we won that one, the second one, but you didn't oh, go there to we go. So you, you did win it. Well, you won it on the fact basis that you're fun then. So, yeah. uh, opening, up, so opening up Slack to clients then sounds like it could... You know, if you're having all this fun on it, why not? And okay, everybody loves, I'll everybody do loves the Mickey. Everybody loves the Mickey being taken out of them, client, in person, whatever. So, you know, there's nothing... Yeah, look how well it worked up. when I like, last week I was talking about how I went to Adobe and I was rude to everybody at Adobe. You know, people like you being rude about them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm just agree. Uh, yes, I'm agreeing to you. <laughs> just to shut us not, up. Not. Hey, um, Joe, that UX um, community on Slack you mentioned is yes. it the designerhangout.co site, um, or is that a different one? Could be the team is called User Experience Design, but yes, it sounds like that's right actually. They send they send like a weekly digest. It's really good. They have they have things like a um, ask me AMAs with famous like UXers. Um, it's really really quite a nice community. I'm I'm obviously I'm saying this while I'm trying to find the name of it, but um, it's head, yes, it looks like they're doing designer. It. Yes, a, designer hangout. It's called. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. They've got really, designing really for wearables. Good. They have events and everything. This is yeah. awesome. Why did it's I fantastic. not know about this? You must be a better. UX consultant than me because I didn't know this place existed. <laughs> I've just got more time on my hands to hang out with other UXs. That's the difference, Paul. Yeah, You're I'm too busy hard. getting stoned and drugged <laughs> up. So, but, but no, it's it's a very good channel for UX. There's, there's oh, really, especially the, the UK channel is a lot of fun as well. I'm joining. I'm typing in now. Everybody has to wait. The podcast is on hold. Boag World. I can't even spell my own email address. Submit. But um, um, there's some really good done. stuff. So they they have like channels like about resources and links consultancy internet of things so you can go on there and you know like you would on twitter but you get more of a focused conversation about some of the things you need so if you're looking for remote testing tools or wireframing tools you can go and have a conversation about that and you'll get loads of you know loads of advice so it's actually really good it's about 81 channels but um yeah really good actually there's job job hiring job seeking there's loads of great stuff uh, my, my, my problem with Slack, the only thing I don't like about Slack is it's so bloody difficult to switch between different accounts. Yeah, well, it's it not it? bloody difficult, but it's harder than it should be. Especially on mobile. The app, the app is good on... The desktop app is better for that. But yeah, that is mo- true. The mobile, it isn't... Yeah, it really isn't very easy. So I'm definitely going to spend more time in Slack. That's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the New Year, Paul. 
Well, I it's the middle of the year. It's your middle of the year. Well, like I said, I'm so drug addled. I don't know. Kids don't do drugs, right? Should we move on? Yeah, let's do this podcast thing. Have we started yet? Have you? Have we started recording yet? Are we we actually yeah, starting I, now. This is just the introduction. But, but, well, see, no, it's interesting. I'm doing. Oh, that reminds me of something else I need to talk about. Actually, we'll eventually get onto the podcast. Um, I'm running a survey at the moment, Marcus. Doesn't work. What doesn't work? Your survey. Yeah, I know. I've in that it does work. Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> the the link that I put to in the newsletter is wrong. Is wrong. Ah. Mm-mm. That's the problem. Because I was thinking, oh, goody, a survey from Paul about the podcast, I can go in and be rude. And it didn't work. Like, so, that, it was only in your email. Everybody else has worked. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, yes, you've got a survey. So, I've got a survey I'm doing at the moment about the podcast, right? Um, well, not just about podcasts, about the newsletter we do as well. And the number one reason... For um, Pete, one of the questions is, have you stopped listening to the podcast? And if so, why? Guess what the number one <laughs> reason was? <laughs> not not staying on target, rambling uh, too much. Too much waffle, yeah. Yeah, see? I would have thought it was um, jokes not good enough, maybe. I didn't have that option. <laughs> I should have put that in. Marcus's jokes stop people. Actually, now I'm looking at it again. It's saying the number one reason is other. Perhaps that means it's the joke. Marcus's joke. Yeah, I I don't know. We've been we've you've done this. You've surveyed this before, and it's it's a kind of black and white thing. It's Marmite thing. Um, people people who like this show tend to like it because of the waffle. And if they want a less waffly podcast, then they'll go elsewhere. Yeah, I'm uh, not worried about that, to be honest. It was more, the one I was really after when I asked that question is um, uh, that people thought the show had stopped. Because we, we did stop for a while and I, yeah, I wondered true. whether that was going to be an issue. Although we're but, on episode, uh, series 12 after we stopped. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> that a, is quite, quite a lot. That was a, that was a long time ago we stopped mm. them. I think people just think it's the same old shit it always used to be, and so why should I listen to it? That's well, what I think. apart from our lovely guests, it is. <laughs> that is true. The guests, the guests have saved the show. So there we go. That's well. That. I'm here. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, let it's the man talk. To you, Joe, let him talk. Sorry, I said let him talk. Then no, no, we haven't finished yet. I need to. I need to first of all announce. Um, that we would really appreciate people actually going and doing the survey. So, which you can do by going to uh, boagworld.com um, forward slash survey. And we would really appreciate you if you spent a few minutes doing that because we're also going to look at it, it, ask questions about topics and that kind of stuff. Anyway, enough of such things. I need also, I need to, we will get on to the subject, but I do need to quickly mention our sponsor because they make the podcast, um, possible and also they provide the, the, the questions survey. Uh, so, um, our sponsor is Template Monster. Template Monster, um, provide all the questions that we cover in the show. They also pay for the transcription. So we like them a lot. Um, they offer really great value. In fact, they often have sales going on at the moment and have one going on at this exact minute that we're recording it. But by the time, um, this show goes out, the sale will have finished, but they're a bit like DFS. <laughs> if you don't know who DFS is, then, then you won't know what I mean. But if you live in Britain, all I need to say is they're a bit like DFS and then you'll know. Permanent if you live sale. Yeah. They they continually have sales, so check them out. They also offer an affiliate program, so you can get money back as well, which is great. And they have free samples you could try before you buy, which is great. They've got an amazing collection of templates, over 46,000 templates for you to look at and download and use on your projects. And not just flat HTML templates. They've got WordPress templates, Joomla, Magento, you name it, they've got it. You can find out more about them at boagworld.com forward slash template monster. So thank you very much to them. Right. Um, I bought I bought a template from Template Monster actually. Um, Did I you say that? Yeah, for my wife, my wife's um, WordPress site, a very nice one as well. So thank you very much, Template Monster. See, now that's I the great. Them. That's exactly we were talking about that only last week on the show. That actually, I think that's one of the biggest use cases for Template Monster is getting family members off your back. Yeah, really good. <laughs> and what's nice about their their templates as well is they don't look like the two. Uh, the 2014, 2015, 2013, 2012, 
if I see another WordPress site with a 2012 theme, I might explode. So it's lovely to see <laughs> see something a bit different. So it's worth paying what you know, sort of fifty bucks or whatever it is for a yeah, template for absolutely. that. Really. So yeah, absolutely. Good old template monster. Yay! They've been around forever. I like mm-hmm. this. Guests are now doing the sponsor slots. This is good. <laughs> right, let's move on. We're, t- we're supposed to be talking about proposals. We're only 20 minutes in, and now we're going to talk about proposals. I think that's pretty good for us. Mm. So Average, we've got anyway. loads of questions this way. I mean, we're not going to get through all of these questions, and there were actually more. Um, it, apparently, we, we hit a nerve with proposals. People really struggle with proposals. Um, so we got a load of questions. Now, there is one question on here which I haven't um, written down, I don't think, which is, can you get away without responding to these invitations to tender? They're a pain in the ass. Producing a proposal is a pain in the ass. Can it be avoided? Joe, how's, you know, obviously you've now shifted from an agency where mm-hmm. I'm imagining you res- they responded to tenders quite a lot to no, now. No, not at all, actually. Um, no, oh, so... Right. Um, I've over the years, um, so one of the things I, I mean, I enjoyed CX when it was quite a small company. One of the things we did early on was we kind of steered away from pitching and proposals where possible. And, and certainly as a freelancer, I won't, I won't answer a proposal. I won't answer an invitation to tender. Um, I just won't, I won't do it. So, mm-hmm. um, and that, and CX was similar. And I think the reasoning behind that um, was a lot around, certainly you don't know if you're going to get it. You don't know if you're going to, who you're up against to get it. And there's nothing worse than sort of being getting sent a blank document in the, you know, by email saying, please respond to this without having any real contact from the client. So, um, no, I, I um, where possible, avoid doing it and prefer a conversation um, rather than a, but, a lengthy document to get there. So, yeah, there is a way to avoid it. And I've, I try and avoid it as much as I possibly can. But one presumes at some point you've got to sit down and write something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And do it. Absolutely. You're right. You've got to sit down and, and write, write the thing. But it, you know, it responding to a kind of just to an out of the blue email saying respond to this invitation to tender or this ITT with a proposal is the kind of is the worst position to be in with these things. But yes, I have. Mm. You do have to put some pricing together at the very least. Now, Marcus, obviously Headscape's very different because of the kind of clients we work with. Invitation to tenders are, you know, you just wouldn't get to work with them if, if you didn't do the invitation to tender process. So how, you know, but you still very much make sure you, you talk to people. Yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't. That's 95% of tenders that come in, I will refuse to respond to if they won't talk to me um i had a recent example of that actually and i and i, I broke my rule and it, it i basically i wanted to go and see this guy it's only in london so mm-hmm. it's like i said well yeah could i just pop up for an hour and have a chat um the, the brief was kind of like it was all right but it wasn't particularly helpful and i just you, you for many years of doing this sort of thing talking to people and hearing what they say back often they're very honest up up front about things like budget and timescales mm-hmm. and th- and who ne- why the project's happening and who what what the obstacles are going to be and all those kind of things but often they aren't and you can but you can still find that out kind of by reading in between the lines mm-hmm. anyway the guy said oh no, i can't do that because it wouldn't be fair to the other other people tendering um i'd have to see everyone and i was like mm, okay then and i ended up going for it anyway because it was a similar uh, organisation to, to another organisation we worked with for years. So I thought, well, maybe there was a recommendation there, which there may well have been. Um, but we didn't get it, and we didn't get it for reasons that would have easily have come out if I'd had a chat with him. Yeah. So it's exactly. just like it, it was just underlined: don't don't respond to tenders blindly. Just and even this mm-hmm. kind of oh well, we'll email questions and then we'll share the email questions with everyone. It's just. It's rubbish, and I, w- I, I very rarely will um, even respond to those type types of um, tenders. It, it, I can normally tell if a tender comes in that it's come via somebody that knows us. Yeah, mm. and Agreed. and if I and if that's the case, then yeah, happy to because it, it, it's pretty rare we'll win work, and I say we, I mean the industry, just because somebody fancies working with you. Normally. 
somebody's boss or somebody's boss's boss will say, "I need three quotes." Or no, I, 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 I think that's. I, I, dis- I disagree. I think certainly my experience of working with mm. certainly with CX partners myself is the opposite is true. Is that people buy, people buy people. They don't buy a twenty-page PowerPoint document and a spreadsheet that goes alongside it. I think they want to work with people and certainly if you've got the experience and the right kind of profile that they do want to work with you precisely because of that not not because of your response to a document i think the document is going through the process and i think i i agree with that entirely what i'm saying is that you're you you can't get away from the process of having to go up against other people but i I agree well you can i think think you can no i think you can i think it's about it's about playing the, the tender game. And I think what, what it is, is that certainly organisations, so typically, you know, here's my experience of how it works. So, you know, you are meeting with a particular client, right? And they, and you, they say, we really want to work with you. With, you know, they've, maybe they've seen you speak at a conference, something's happened and they really bought into your process, your way of working, you, what, the way you want to do it. They say to you, oh, yes, but um, our procurement department or our boss says we need to get three prices alongside your quote. They whisper in your ear saying, look, you know, this is a formality, but we need to get those three prices. And if you're in that position, you know, basically it's yours to lose. The worst position to be in ever is to be one of those two other people they have to go out to get quotes from. So if, you know, if they are speaking to an agency, you know, Bob's, Bob's Super London agency... And they say, oh, we've got to get two other quotes just because we've got to go through the procurement hoops to get there. There is nothing worse than being that one of those two that's then asked to tender for something. And you can, and, and it's like they say, those are the ones you can sniff and smell. Well, they don't want to meet yeah. me. They don't want to respond to me. It's out of the blue. They want it by tomorrow. You know, all of these sorts of things that tell you, hold on a minute, we're not on the inside <laughs> yeah. track for winning this stuff. So all these you rules... You only need four pages. Of, we don't, yeah, d- yeah. Don't write too much. Don't write too thing, much. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> that's the worst thing. Because, yeah. you know, although there's all these things in place to stop, you know, to stop somehow, you know, something going wrong. Well, you know, you're giving it to your brother-in-law or this, that and the other. If you're the right fit for the organisation, you, you know, don't it'll be pretty clear early on if you are or you aren't. And there's nothing worse than having to go through an awful ITT, you know, an awful ITT way of doing it. Because again, if you're the lead runner, you don't, you can't be a hundred percent sure that you're going to win it. So therefore you still have to put the effort into the proposal. The other two guys, you know, the two sets of companies having to put all this effort in. Oh, that's the worst situation when, you know, there's a proposal ITT for the sake of it. Oh, horrible. Yeah, but it, unfortunately, it happens all the time. It does happen all the time. Yeah, and and you can't fight that in some ways. I mean, so so although you say you don't respond to ITTs, that you don't, um, you're still having to produce a proposal. That's right. Yeah, you're very still much so. having to jump through the ho- hoops. I think where we so just to kind it of sounds like you're saying the same thing. Really. I think we are. Yeah, yeah, we kind of are. I think where where we where we differ is I think that there are. There are tenders that go out to the world where, and well, I know there are because we've been in this situation before, where the 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 prospective client isn't sure who they want to work with. Yeah, very and, much so. Uh, mm-hmm. And they might have two or three that they think they might like to work yeah, with. And no, then you're, you are in genuinely, genuinely in a competitive tender situation and you've got to mm-hmm. kind of weigh up whether you want to go for it or not. And normally in that situation, we would. It's just, yeah, over the years, yeah, we've all yeah. learned to kind of see, see, see when you're making up the numbers. And it is the worst thing of all. Um, I think... I. I think I've got a pretty good handle on it now, but maybe not. Who knows? And that's I've just I've just, really, I've just sent out a proposal today. So uh-huh, there we go. Because my, my old, I used to work with them. Um, my very first job, I worked for a big kind of a big proper agency, and I remember this sort of this sales guy. And he was a classic kind of you know golf course scale, golf course weekend on the yacht type salesman, and he always said to me, he said the worst. The worst place to be in a sales cycle is to lose slowly. He said, losing slowly is the worst because you mm-hmm. put all the effort in. It's stretched out over six weeks. You've built up all this hope. You've built up all this, you know, oh, we're going to get this. This is going to be a fantastic thing for us. He said, the best position you can be in is you either, you know, you either win slowly or you lose quickly. You know, that's the best place mm-hmm. to be in. There's nothing worse than losing slowly in a proposal, proposal pitching exactly. situation. Horrible place to be. And I Many think that that's going back to Marcus's point about, you know, where a client really doesn't know who they want to work with. Mm-hmm. And that in Headscape situation, you would go and tender for that. You see that mm-hmm. as a, you know, open oh, yeah, competitive definitely. market. I think probably in Joe's situation and my situation now, 
we probably wouldn't. I don't want to speak for you, Joe, but uh, you know, I take work from from people that already know me, and there's a relationship. Yeah. Now, I'm happy for them to go out to somebody else, you know, because they've got to get their three quotes or whatever. But I wouldn't pursue. I wouldn't, you know, see a post on some list somewhere and then and tender for that. That's just it, it, it has too low a hit rate for me. Yeah, agreed. I wouldn't Definitely. do that either, though, Paul. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't trawl the lists because you're wasting your time yeah okay you that are, but, was probably I, a bad example i, I think mm. the three of us though you know we've all you know certainly headscape and the, we've all got quite strong reputations in the industry so we we can do that we're, yeah. the, we're in a luxurious position of being able to do that yeah. i think you know i don't think this is true for everybody else that's out there and i think you know the skills that i've picked up over the last 12 years of of doing sales which you know has always been at least a third of my job have always been smelling the good opportunities from the bad opportunities. And I think you know, the advice we can give from that is if they won't speak to you ahead of yeah. it, then they're, you know, be careful of that. You know, what, what other advice could we give to people that are in that situation where they haven't got the luxury of, of, you know, of, of, of sort of saying no to this stuff? What kind of advice do you think we should be giving to people to say, well, this is the best way to win a proposal? Well, I mean, that's where you get into it's about relationship. It's mm-hmm. about making a connection with people and building up, you know, a, 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 some kind of interaction. And it's about asking astute questions and that kind of thing. That's why it annoys me so much where you have these people that go, oh, ask your questions via email and we'll respond to everyone on the list. Well, I'm sorry, but 80% of a successful web designer or UX designer or whatever it be is asking the intelligent questions. Yeah, definitely. You know, and so it feels grossly unfair where I ask an intelligent question and that gets shared with everybody. You know, that gets right on my nose. So the the advice I got from this this sales guy who I learned so much from early on in my career is you hold back on those questions. If they said they're going to share them with everybody, you either Mm -hmm. ask them as open-ended questions in the proposal and try and answer them yourselves or you wait for the pitch to do that stuff so you're, mm. you're saving the golden stuff for the pitch if you can spot the glaring hole in the middle of this proposal which again if you've been doing it for long enough you can don't ask the question if they're going to share it with everybody because you're going to give your edge away save yeah. that up put it in your proposal and then do that in the pitch definitely which is really good advice actually mm. yeah absolutely because that that stuff is you know you ask some stuff you know some filler stuff in those sorts of questions because there's nothing because i think it also it reflects badly on you if you don't come back with a question so if yeah. they say to you you know as part of the purpose you've got any questions give them to us by you know a week monday do come back with a question because it shows you're interested it's like the set you know the end of a job interview and they you know so they, they say to you so mr candidate if you've got any questions and if you go no it just sort of shows you're not really interested in it. So you kind yeah. of have to go through the motions of it, but do save the goals question for the pitch and for the proposal itself. Hey, I'll tell you another little tip that, that I've found useful over the years is where they come back and they say, well, we'd really like to work, you know, when you've got that inside track, we'd really like mm-hmm. to work to you, but we have to go out to tender because our procurement department makes us. Always ask what the procurement department's um, ceiling is or you know uh, ba- yeah. basically there will be a number and if you go over that number then you have to go through a formal tender process but if you can basically break your project down into multiple mm-hmm. sub projects and keep it below that number often you can avoid the tender process entirely but mm, yeah right? my, my advice is don't ever explicitly you, you kind of have to be careful because that's often breaking procurement rules and doing that so by all means find that stuff out but don't don't shout about it. Don't say that. Don't don't be too no. obvious that you're doing it. But you're right, Paul. Absolutely. You know, I've done that a number of times. It's like it's fiddly and it's going a bit against the rules. So don't kind of rub everybody's face in it by the fact that you're doing it. But yeah, it's a great it's a great tip that one. Right. One of the questions that we got asked was is it's a bit of a how long's a piece of string? But we might be able to come up with something, which is how long should a proposal be? <laughs> Marcus, as long as, it, as long as it needs to yeah, be. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so unhelpful. <laughs> don't well, be, don't be scared of writing a long proposal as long as it's covering all of the points that you need to cover, all of the questions that have yeah. been asked, um, and that you're often. I mean, I've I've written a, which isn't actually that long a proposal for me, a thirty-page proposal um, that went out today. Half of that was images, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's not it's not a huge effort no, to read not. something like that. And I think um, it, it, so. I, sorry, carry on, Marcus, carry on. Carry, no, you carry on. Um, I, I was you're just, you're I, the guest. <laughs> I was just going to say that, um, associate with it, I've, I've lost more proposals 
I've lost more stuff at the proposal stage by not having as much detail. That has been the number one reason. I mean, obviously, they're not always honest with you when they come back. But that's the number one reason why I've lost most of the proposals I have in, in my time is that somebody else has had more detail or had, yep. you know, gone that extra mile. And I've often lost more because I've tried to be too succinct than I have by, by being too verbose. So it, it is a definite balancing act. But I would always err on the side of having too much in there than not having enough. Yeah, because people can skim it. If they exactly. think, oh, yeah, exactly. yeah, blah, blah, blah. What's, what's the next thing? Yeah, don't, don't try and don't, certainly don't assume that people are going to kind of understand what you're on about if um, yeah, you're just pro- providing a kind of simple summary of things. And I we, think you do need to, you need, to, need to provide detail, especially if people are spending a lot of money with you. You've got to right. kind of show them that you're, you know what you're talking about, and that does often take quite a few pages of a document. And it's the joy, the joy of the appendix. So often, again, because what you'll find with a lot of proposals is they'll limit you to a number of words. And what you can often do to get around that and to add more details, so if they say to you, proposal limit is 1,200 words or whatever... You can submit 1,200 words, but you can also submit an appendix. Again, a bit cheeky because you shouldn't do it. And you're probably breaking the rules a bit, but you can do that. And you can either submit an appendix as another document or you can submit an appendix as a website and URL stuff off the back of it. So you can get around some of these rules where they say just, you know, just four pages, just 1,200 words. And again, you can win on having more detail by pushing people to a website or to an appendix alongside it. Um, and the best thing to do in those situations is just to have a lot of boilerplate stuff. So if you're finding yourself doing a lot of proposals, spend a bit of time putting together some generic copy on, you know, user testing, on, you know, um, the sign-off process, on branding, on whatever it is. Have some generic stuff that is, floats around the very specific stuff that you put in the middle. But don't be afraid to go into detail in an appendix or somewhere else because it's, it's the worst place to be is to be losing on detail. Mm. Mm. I, two I points. You, two, I have two things to come back up on. on okay. That. One is, I find we only want X thousand words from you or four pages as a little bit of a sign of maybe they're trying to be kind to those people because they already know who they're work- working yeah, with. Yeah, so yeah, agreed. Don't, don't write yeah. too much. That's that's slight concern for me, that one. That makes a lot and of sense. And secondly, I kind of have an assumption that nobody clicks on links in documents. Um, I think mm. some people do, but I think quite a lot of people don't. So quite happy to put in links to websites yeah. as long as you've got some kind of, uh, you know, supporting screenshot or something like that. But I think if you've got crucial information, mm-hmm. be careful about putting it behind a link. Yeah, no, yeah I, I that, that agree. is good advice. I mean, although one thing I do quite like doing is sometimes um, in the proposals that I write, if there's a, a particular term or concept that, isn't necessarily immediately you know like we use the word user experience i mean what does that really mean Mm -hmm. so what i tend to do with words like that is i will link them off to a an article on my site which often you know provides a bit of additional context to stuff like that brilliant idea Mm -hmm. um in terms of proposals as well when when you get into the realms of of working out how long your proposal bit is i think you can take some guidelines from the brief that you've received (laughs) Mm -hmm. so for example you know if the brief is just kind of a short email then i tend to make my proposals a little bit more succinct while if it's a more you know a longer document then i tend to respond in more depth and i also think you can you can get a sense of what level of understanding the client has from their brief as well so you know if the client are saying things that you think oh they don't really get this then i think your proposal needs to be a little bit more in depth it needs to explain itself a little bit more so you know additional work needs to go into it then mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah agree with that show mm-hmm. um with these longer proposals because we, we're now what our advice just is has been there is spend long you know, sp- spend longer on it, I would, make sure yeah. it's thorough mm-hmm. and more detailed. Well, there's obviously a cost associated with that. Is there a, a place, is there a way that you can charge clients for some of these longer proposals? Good question. I mean, um, I, I, I've only come across it when there's been a pitching um, situation and they've asked either for creative or they've asked for particular ideas to do it. I did mm. actually get offered this week um, from an organization they offered to pay actually you know a couple of thousand pounds to pay for the proposal and pitching phase 
Um, and in yeah. fact, I did one last year where they, they paid £20,000 to when I was at CX Partners for a whole pitching and proposal phase. So it is possible. Um, and what's interesting about when it does happen is that the people who are offering to pay it or the clients that offer to pay it are almost more often than not either ex-freelancers or ex-agency people themselves. And yeah. So they know the cost and the effort involved in, in going through it. So often if your client has come uh, client side from agency, they may well offer you, you know, the, the money to do it. And I don't think it hurts to ask if it's, you think it's going to be a lot of work. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly happens. It does happen. I mean, we, we've been paid for proposals. I'll probably get one a year. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. About that. Um, I just accept that it's a cost that you, it, it's part of, it's like marketing. It's a sales you don't tend to get paid for and it's yeah. part of the sales process. And maybe I'm old fashioned with that view. But. No, I agree, Marcus. There's a cost to sales. That yeah, is yeah. part of running a business and, and you kind of need to accept it. I mean, if you're talking about something you know, very in depth and what you're not, it's not really a proposal you're talking about anymore. What you're talking about is a research project, Yeah. Mm. which, you know, and we do that, you know, certainly Headscape did. And, and I've done that a couple of times where, you know, I've turned around and said, well, actually you're a long way from being at a position where you can produce a brief, mm-hmm. you know, actually what you've written here is not a, a brief and that actually there's some research that needs doing there's some you know whatever business analysis you know user research whatever and then i actually propose that as an initial project which is often quite a good way of kind of again getting around some of the procurement yeah, issues so. and also mm. establishing a good working relationship with the client etc getting on the inside track you know that's a, that's a mm. good way of doing it and it's you know it's the it's the discovery the discovery phase is always quite a compelling way of introducing yourself to an organization so you know if, if your proposal is coming in at you know tens and tens of thousands of pounds or even hundreds of thousands of pounds it's an easier buy for the client to say well you know if we'll do a two three four five ten thousand pound discovery phase with you rather than a hundred thousand pound build phase with you that's less mm. risk for them and they can and you can always say things to them if it doesn't work out with us you know at least you haven't spent your whole money or you haven't gone to a full commitment with us or any organisation find out it's not working for you. So I think, yeah, that kind of it's a very good idea, Paul, and a good way to kind of often get around the, uh, you know, get the inside track on a particular project. I think the key with it, mine, is to make sure that at the end of that research project, they have a deliverable they could, in theory, take elsewhere, because it's going to make them feel much better about spending that money up front. Um, so, you know, it's a report. You've you've helped them write the brief or whatever. Of course, that's always the best thing. If you're going to be if you're going to be writing a proposal, <laughs> oh, yeah, if you can get to write the brief as well, <laughs> which we've yeah. managed to do um, numerous times. Right. Next question. Um, how do you deal? Well, we've kind of almost answered this. How do you deal with the fact that you don't always have the facts that you need in order to write a proposal? And it's kind of covered with what we were saying about asking lots of questions and engaging with the client. It's also covered by potentially doing a research phase up front. Are there any other kind of tips around that or are we done? Um, I think that's probably it, really. I mean, there's loads yeah. of other little things you can do. But, yeah, on the whole, if you've not got enough information, you find out the way. Or, you know, use your experience having worked with similar clients and you fill those gaps in yourself. Because mm-hmm. a good proposal will answer not only what the client wants, but it will also anticipate anything that they hadn't thought about in the first place. And again, that's something that will put you ahead of everybody else as you've anticipated mm. or you've read between the lines. Have you realised there's something in there that they're missing? Anticipation and going above and beyond what they're asking for as an optional extra, even if it's you know, an option on the side of it, is going to you know, differentiate you from the other proposals that are out there. Mm. Right, let's get, to, let's get to the heart of things because we've kind of danced around a little bit. What should go into a good proposal? Oh, there's a question. I mean, I think for me, the number one thing is it. I kind of treat it a bit like a job application form. You know, if they ask you ten things in the proposal, you know, in the invitation to invitation to tender a proposal, you you make sure the very least the thing you put in there is you address absolutely everything that they've asked yeah. for, and using the same wording they've asked for it in as well. So if they talk about comps. Don't talk about scamps or wireframes. Use the word comps. But, you know, use their language and just absolutely go through in detail and in order 
following the order that they've asked you for things in as well. You know, effectively, that's the thing you number one thing you have to do is to, to address everything they've asked for. Mm, yeah, I normally I normally start each section with re- basically repeating back to them what, what was in the brief. Yeah, completely. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's number one rule, really. Um, it's useful, I think, to try and show a bit of character. And a good way of doing that is to talk about your team, because normally people want bios, even if they don't ask for them anyway. Um, not great r- lengthy reams, but just sort of an idea of who's in your team, what they do, what they've worked on. I think it's good to scatter um, examples of work throughout rather than having this is the examples of work section. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Yeah. I think that's I mean, it. I guess because I mean, I think yeah. if we, I think your point there, Marcus, as well. So if, again, if they let's if we get specific about it. So if they say to you, you know, we want to do user research in there, you know, give us give us a, a tell us how you do user research. Is you're absolutely right. Is what you do is you put you know you say this is how we do user research. And this is the, our experiences of using, doing user research with a similar clients. So where possible, when they ask you for something, give them a mini case study or a mini story of where you've done that before. Yeah. Saying, yeah, well, you've asked us to do this. We've done this for, you know, if you're working with the Navy, I think you mentioned, say, oh, we've done this with the Army before or whatever. A similar situation where you've done that piece of work before. So you're not only... Because the big thing is, is that, you know, in any, any kind of proposal, you want to, to show, not tell, what you're trying to do. So if you're telling people, yes, we do user research, that's fine. You want to show examples of it. So in a, another rule, show, don't tell. And that's absolutely right, Marcus, through scattering your proposal through examples of your work throughout. So what about things like references and testimonials? Well, testimonial, I would guess, is an extension of what we were just talking mm-hmm. about. Um, so if you've got them and they're good and they fit nicely with the uh, the examples that you're scattering through the document, then great, include them. References I include when I'm asked for them. Um, right. if, I, if I'm not asked for them in a proposal, then I will encourage people uh, to contact our clients when yeah. at the pitch. That makes a lot of sense. And it just shows that openness, I think. Because you know, if you're saying, hey, yeah, please contact our clients, it kind of shows that you're very comfortable in doing that stuff, and you're very yeah. open, and you have a strong relationship with your clients. And I think that's always a great idea. Is there any kind of things that you shouldn't do in a proposal? Any things to avoid? Yeah, if you're doing a find and replace on another proposal, <laughs> double check, double check <laughs> that you haven't well, got the yeah. old client's name in there. Because honestly, I've done it, and I've you know I've that feeling when you go back and you check it, you're like, oh my god, I didn't that didn't go down. You know, it happens to all of us. So yeah, double say, check it, everything. What, <laughs> myself and Chris. Um, the Headscape's MD, we check all our work. Yeah. We each, check each other's, other's work. work. Yeah. Check each other's work all the time. But you still miss bits, especially if you're kind of going, you reach the bit about project management or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. the bit, I've read this a million times before. Um, but it's the, the client name is scattered through that section. So, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of rude <laughs> if you don't do it. I know <laughs> if we're the people who write, write proposals all the time, we're kind of, I mean, hands in the air, but, well, you know, come on, I write them all the time, you know, give me a break. But if it's this one document that you've received, this all this, you, you've been badgering your boss and your boss's boss for the last six months to get this project happening, and then you've sent it out to tender, and you've spent ages getting your document right, and then someone sends it back and it's got... It, uh, you know it's got the wrong client name in it then it doesn't it doesn't sit very well no, it doesn't. I, would I mean i i've i've won work and that's happened to me before so um and what was interesting as well is they kind of read the client's name and like oh that's impressive they work with them because i'd mentioned it anywhere else <laughs> so they actually said it back to me and i was like you know i had that sinking feeling in my stomach because like, oh god they're going to tell me we've yeah. lost it and they're actually like oh no that's interesting that you work with them and so it's actually quite a and they're like oh do you know so-and-so who does so-and-so and i'm like yeah of course i do and, uh, and off you go again so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, don't do it deliberately, but um, yeah, I honestly, I'll tell you my worst mistake um, of proposal writing and pitching generally is um, it was a few years ago, and it was for a, you know it was a really busy time, and we got this email through saying, oh, you know, we're interested in this piece of work, blah blah blah, and I, and I missed the um, attachment, which was like a PDF letter inviting us to to tender for this piece of work, and it said, you know, in this email, it's like, you know, come along at two o'clock to this thing, blah. So I just turned up to this meeting. Um, and I sort of, you know, I was like, oh, expecting a meeting. And they were sort of, oh, is it just you, Joe? And I'm like, yeah, it's just me. And they're like, oh, so where's the rest of your pitch team? And I was like, pitch team? And they're like, yeah. And they said, we didn't get your proposal this morning. And I was like, proposal this morning? And I missed this whole <laughs> oh, no. PDF saying, yeah, you know, here's, here's the, the brief. We want your proposal before you come in. Please be prepared to pitch. Bring members of your team, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and do you know what? We only won it. We won it because I turned up and had a candid conversation with them saying, oh, I'm really sorry. I must have missed that. And we had a conversation about what they wanted to do, what they wanted to achieve. And we actually ended up winning the work. Um, so what, I guess what I'm saying is, is if you mess it up, be very open and honest and sort of hands up. Yeah. yeah, I made a mistake. I'm really sorry. Don't blame it on anybody. Don't say all oh, this, that and the other. Put your hands up. Say, I'm sorry. Say, you know. Because people know that you're human. And actually, the human side of it can often be the, the thing that gets you the work, not the mm. fact that you managed, you know, your, your, your super efficient team managed to get that document done by that time and, and you know, spent all night, stayed up all night to get it done. Don't worry. You know, again, people buy from people. They don't buy yeah. from 20-page documents and, and flashy PowerPoint presentations. They buy from people. Which kind of brings us on to the, the very last question. We are running out of time. There's loads of other questions. But the last one I want to ask is about how to stand out. How do you get your proposal to stand out? You know, is it, is it should a proposal contain um, some sense of the personality of the organization? Is that how to make it stand out? Is it about flash design and making it look good? What is it? That's a tough one. It's a good question. I mean, I, I think that the good proposals, the, the ones that stand out are the ones that go above and beyond the brief. They're the ones that yeah. you know, show that you've, you've read it, you've understood it, you've anticipated what else is needed. That's the stuff that stands out. And I think if you're relying on it looking really crash hot to win the proposal, then that's going to only, you know, that's going to get you so far. I don't think anybody's going to be impressed with the, you know, I've had a few people come back to me and say, oh, you know, we love the design of your proposal, but that was never what won it for us. And, you know, often no. I've, I remember, you know, I did some work a few years ago for a big mobile phone company. They came back and said, oh, well, you know, by far and away, your proposal was the most well-designed of all of them. I'm sorry you didn't get it. And it's like, well, you know, lovely. Thank you very much. But, yeah. <laughs> you know. That's a real consolation prize, isn't <laughs> it? Yeah. It was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I think you, you, you can put some personality of your brand in there, but... I think it's it's got to be, you know, well-written, bespoke to the needs of the client. That kind of stuff is what's going to make you stand out more. I think as well, it, it's about, you, obviously, you have to thoroughly and completely respond to their brief and yeah. answer all their questions. Mm -hmm. But I always like to have something else, you know, something extra, my twist so. on it, yeah. my, my little, you know, extra. Yeah, okay, this is what you've asked for. This is what I've responded to. But you could also do this, and that would be good. You know, for me, that's what helps stand out, is the fact that you've really thought about their situation and problem, and you've brought something extra to the table. Yeah, for, and giving the, you know, and free stuff alongside it. So, you know, I, I mm. written a book recently. I give a, I'll give a free copy of my ebook with the proposal, yeah. and it, it, it's a bit cliched. I don't think it's ever going to help me win it, but it's going to help, you know, help you get there a bit more. You know, it's going to show that you're going a bit more above and beyond what's going on. So, anything you can do to kind of, you know, make make the client feel loved and give them a, some sort of flavour of what it is to work with you generally and, and be generous, both with your time and your stuff. I think that's also going to count very much in your favour. Mm. Yeah, I, th I think I think a beautifully designed proposal. If you're pitching for a piece of design work, I think yeah. it, it's kind of it's required. It won't win you the work, but if it's mm -hmm. if you've got a really badly designed proposal, it might lose you it. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of I sense. Think. I agree. Yeah. So you, you've kind of you've got no choice. It's got to be gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, right. Well, we, we're going we're gonna to have to bring it to a halt because we're running out of time. But I do just want to mention um, lynda.com before we go. Um, Linda is another one of our sponsors on the show. Um, uh, they are provide over 3,000 on-demand video courses on business, creativity, technical skills, those kind of stuff. They're a great place for learning new skills, whether you want to learn about designing websites, coding apps, or even running your business Obviously, I have been looking on Linda to see what they've got about proposals and unsurprisingly, they've got loads of stuff. So we've only just scratched the surface um, on in today's show. But if you check out Linda.com, you'll find um, videos on writing proposals, crafting better proposals and, and, and just kind of overviews of proposal writing. So there's loads more information on Linda.com and I encourage you to check it out. Stream thousands of courses on demand. You can learn at your own schedule. 
Um, you and also you don't have the huge amounts of waffle that you get in this podcast, which is also a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> and you can learn at your own pace, all for one flat fee. We might be free, but we're we're, we're waffle um, intensive. There's a ten day free trial, um, uh, which you can check out by going to lynda.com forward slash boagworld. Marcus. Oh, can I just say, um, Linda, Linda.com, just a moment. Have you seen that amazing video that um, Aaron Draplin did last year for Linda.com where he, no. did, he designs logos? It's like a free video. I think it's on Vimeo. He does this amazing video of how um, he quickly designs logos. It's anything, you know, he's such a funny guy anyway. Um, but Linda, yeah, commissioned him to do a little, like, I think it's like 12 minute sort of video on Aaron Draplin designing logos for free from Linda. Absolutely awesome. fantastic. So definitely go and watch that. Um, Thanks, Linda, for getting Mr. Draplin to do that, because it's a wonderful thing. So uh, Meg, who transcribes the show, will no doubt go looking for that Vimeo v- video, and hopefully she'll find it and put it in the show notes for us. Yay! Yeah, I like it that awesome. I can just now randomly say, Meg, sort it out. Meg, <laughs> sort it out. Um, uh, Marcus, do you have a joke? I do. Um, Ian Lasky sent me a hey, joke. I haven't, I haven't had a joke from Ian for a while. Uh, so, yes, a good one, as it normally is from him. My next-door neighbour believes in homeopathy. I hope she likes the birthday present I've given her. It's a piece of wrapping paper that once had an iPad in it. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as saying I love it, but it was tolerable. Well done. It was tolerable. I've got some silly jokes as well, but I'm saving them up. Probably for the final... How many, how many episodes are we doing this oh, season, Paul? Bloody hundreds. Let's have a look. We are... This is season 12. We have 15 episodes. So Ooh, we're only on episode nine. nine. Yeah. So okay, we've got cool. another six. Oh, I, 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 got, I got some. I got some. Oh, some jokes. Oh, go on. I've got some topical ones. You've probably been done a hundred times, though. You heard this. Comic Sans walks into a bar. Barman says, sorry, mate, we don't serve your type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have heard that. We're on about our five hundredth podcast, and I have oh, repeated done most those, of the best you? jokes. Yeah, <laughs> and that's sorry. one of them. That's all right. That's a good one. You got any more? Uh, three web developers walk into a bar, and swiftly leave once they see the table layout. Now that that's I don't think we've done that one before, and probably for good reason. To be fair, that's dreadful. That's dreadful. <laughs> anyway. All right, Joe, thank you for coming on the show. It's really good to talk to you. And, I've um, enjoyed myself. Thank you. And I, it's always fun to, to find out how people are getting on doing similar thing to me. It's like I need to keep in touch with you because we're kind of mirroring each other and I yeah, need to know what my next career move is. Yeah, so should. I'll have to wait till you tell me. Well, I think the, next, the funniest thing is if we ever come up against each other in a, in a proposal writing situation. That would oh, be quite funny. Proposal showdown. Because one thing I do, actually I do say I do do, is often it's good to ask who you're up against if they say it's a competitive proposal. So mm. often ask the question, who are you up against? Um, mm. And also ask, obviously ask the question, what's the budget? Um, yeah. But also do ask the question, who are you up against? Because then that can help you frame your, some of your answers if you know the organisation okay. you're up against to do. So that's another so, free bit of advice. So how would you, how would you, you know, beat me in a proposal writing? How would you adjust your proposal to I, kind I'd, of... I'd, um, I'd drop hints in there about your Coke habit. Um, yeah, and how kind of unreliable <laughs> that would make you, and that yeah, sort of that's stuff a good, as well. Good approach. I like that. <laughs> um, to be honest, I'd, it depends where it was. If, 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 if you know, I'd, there'd be all kinds of stuff you could do, but you never deliberately mention the opposition. All you do is just highlight on your positives and uh, leave unanswered questions that they can then ask to other yeah. organisations. So, you know, if you're up against a big London agency, ask questions, say things in your proposal like, and the team that you meet at the pitch will be the team that does the work because typically yeah. big London agencies bring, you know, pitch specialists in and you never see them again. So all you're doing is just sprinkling doubt about the other people into your proposal. Bit underhand, but often it can kind of help you win. Oh, absolutely. It's part of the process. There you go. An extra after, after joke advice see a lot of people will have will you know when, once we'd hit kind of the joke stage they stop listening and now they've missed out it's like a post-credit scene in a movie oh there we go there we go Gold. thank you very much for listening guys and um i uh, hope to hear from you uh, soon joe we'll Definitely. keep in touch and for everyone else please join us again next week where we're talking about winning pitches thanks for listening bye-bye bye bye
Bye. Bye.